Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. One of my favorite memories of all time in the classroom is um, when a child spent 10 minutes, not kidding, 10 minutes squeezing a whole entire bottle of white Elmer's glue out onto a paper plate. They squeezed using their fingers, their palms, and then they even ended up putting the bottle between their chin and their chest to help squeeze the glue when their hands got tired. It was amazing. They filled that whole entire plate with glue. I sat kind of on the sidelines and watched as the whole process unfolded and the whole time I was wondering what are they thinking and what is their plan. After probably about nine minutes, another child that was standing there saw them struggling to squeeze all the glue out and then told them that if they took the cap off, the glue would come out faster. So the child that was squeezing the glue did that and then they were able to get the last bit of the glue out in one huge squeeze. Then they put the bottle down, stood back, and admired it with their hands on their hips. Looking around at the tabletop, they looked down at the floor, and I was wondering, like, what are they searching for? But then they saw a pony bead on the floor, a yellow one, picked it up, and they carefully placed it right in that giant paper platey puddle of glue, right smack dab in the middle. The child looked around and then caught my eye and said, I'm done. I asked, what is your plan for this project? And they said, take it home for my mom. Okay, then. I offered to help carry it to the drying rack. And when the end of the day came, of course, they went to the drying rack. And of course, it wasn't dry in the least bit. So I tried to explain that sometimes big puddles of glue can take a while to dry and we could check in on it tomorrow. So the next day they came back. Obviously, the glue was still wet. And we literally watched that glue dry. We watched it for like a week. And then finally, on the next Monday, we returned to school. And instead of a glue lake, it was smooth and shiny and semi-transparent, kind of like ice. It was, it was so cool. It was like smooth and you could touch it. It felt so neat. The child learned so much through that process. They learned way more doing this type of project than they ever would have learned had they been sitting at a table following the steps of creating a 17-part teddy bear with brads. Do you know what brads are? Brads are those like little gold things with two little legs on them that you like punch through two pieces of paper and then you separate the little legs things and then it makes the paper move. Um, Anyway, to make the arms and the legs movable on that 17-part teddy bear. Okay, so speaking of that 17-part teddy bear with brads to make the arms and legs movable, I did that. I actually did that. I did that before I knew any better. 
I was a teacher that liked teacher-directed crafts. I was a teacher-directed craft expert. I loved searching for all of the teacher-directed crafts on Pinterest and then planning them out to have the kids do them. They were cute. I would spend like hours on the weekend cutting out certain parts of that bear to make the process doable for the children, but it still took them a whole week to create that giant 17-part teddy bear. I had planned art, and I'm doing air quotes, art was planned into the centers that we had for each day. And we had one teacher sit at the table for all art projects to help the children or really just tell them what to do. I would sit there and I would walk the children step by step through each part of that art, again, quotes, practice, process. And I thought I was teaching them valuable skills like waiting and cutting and listening and following directions. But now I realize that, I mean, really, that's all I was teaching them. I was teaching them that I was in control and that I had the best ideas for how things should look and that art, air quotes, should look the same for all of the children. And art was about following directions and doing what the teacher asked. I stole their creativity. I stole time from them. I stole their intrinsic motivation. Air quote art wasn't art. And that teddy bear project, it was a week long of the step-by-step process to put those 17 parts together. And I had to do most of the work. Sure, some kids absolutely loved it. Others hated it. And they let me know that by getting frustrated. Ugh. So what's the difference between process art and product-based art? And art in air quotes again for product-based art. It's just as it sounds. Process art is creating a thing for the process of creating that thing. And many times there isn't an absolute end goal with young children. They don't know what the end product will look like. Sometimes they have a plan. But usually they just start and then they just keep adding or subtracting, adding or subtracting until their little heart says it's time to be done. They might cover a whole entire chair with a purple glue stick. They might paint a picture at the easel that's like pretty flowers or something and then they take one cover, one color like purple and they cover the whole entire picture up and you can't see the flowers anymore. Or they might find an empty gallon from a milk like leftover from snack an empty gallon of milk and they might fill it with glue, put a whole bunch of beads on the inside and then shove a piece of paper in the mouth of the jug and call it a day. We actually had that happen. It was a, it actually hung from our ceiling in our classroom for three years before we took it down. So I think it's important that we go over the characteristics of creative freedom in the classroom, of process art of the process of creative thinking, creative freedom. But first, I want to explain why this is so important. Why is the process of doing a thing so important in the early childhood environment? Uh, So I want to talk about NASA for a minute. NASA, if you're not from the United States, and maybe you know or don't know, it's one of the USA's space programs that has been around for many, 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 many years 
so NASA needs people, they need to hire people who go out into space, they're astronauts, who have the ability to think divergently, meaning that they can think fast to come up with creative and innovative ideas or ways to do things when they're out in space. Because when you're in space and things take a wrong turn, obviously you have to be able to think quickly with creative solutions to solve those problems, right? So NASA hired a scientist by the name of George Land to create a test that could measure these astronaut wannabes' capacity for divergent thinking. So George came up with a test, and it worked so well, but only 2% of adults could pass this test at a creative genius level. 2%. So George and he had a colleague that helped him named Beth Jarman. They decided, let's give this test to a group of four and five-year-olds just to see, just to see. Let's just see where their level of divergent thinking is. So they gave the test to 1,600 children. Are you ready for this? 98% of children passed, four and five-year-olds passed at a genius level. 98%. Holy buckets. They were so floored by these results, as anybody would be, so they decided that they should make this into a longitudinal study. They wanted to give the test again in five years when the kids turned 10, so they did, and 30% passed. Another five years passed, they gave it to the same set of kids, and only 12% could pass at age 15. And then, of course, as adults, only 2% could pass. So what was their conclusion? The conclusion is that our ability to think creatively and divergently, we're born with it, and then it gets unlearned over time. Schools and the way we are brought up in the world suck that creativity right out of us. So our job as early childhood educators is to do our part to ensure that young children have the time to create freely We need to let them have time to exercise their own minds in their own way to dream up new ideas and new solutions to problems they are having and to be supported by us along the way. When we have the time to dream and imagine things, we get amazing ideas. I don't know if you've ever felt this, like when you're doing the dishes, like some mundane task, all of a sudden like a really cool idea might pop into your head. That's the same with children, except for we have to have time to be able to have those thoughts. When we give children time to play and freedom to explore materials in their own way, we could, we're supporting that divergent thinking. We're not being a creative vampire sucking teacher of crafts. In a, a very rapid time of changing technologies, we need to raise up children who can think creatively. And we can do this by scrapping those teacher-directed crafts and offering an environment that supports creation of things and ideas instead. Um, I'm going to link in the show notes a TEDx talk by George Land where he speaks about this study, and it's fascinating. I'm also going to link another TED talk by Sir Ken Robinson about um, it's, it's about how schools kill cre- creativity. So you can find those both of those video links in the show notes. Uh, So now that I told you why divergent thinking and process art are important, I want to talk about the characteristics of process art and creative freedom. 
this probably won't be a super exhaustive list, but it's just going to be a few things to kind of get your brain thinking. Um, I, I have to explain in terms of what process art is not in order for us to understand what process art really is. I really don't like making lists that are super negative in nature, but I think it's important to point it out this way to have a better, like a better grasp on it. And also, I want you to remember we are all learning and we all start somewhere. So if there are characteristics of this not art list that I explained that are happening in your environment, don't be worried at all. The journey to a play-based learning environment is a learning process and it takes time. I mean, my process is still ongoing and I'm 10 years in. Uh, maybe just, I mean, commit to changing one thing this week to get your classroom classroom on the way to a more process-based environment, a more creatively free environment for the children. And, re- and remember, I was the queen of, pro- of product-based art, of crafts. I was the queen. And now... I love watching the process unfold of the cool things that can happen when you allow children the time and space to create on their own. All right, so here we go. There's a list of four things. Okay, process art does not involve the adult in the environment at all. Again, number one, process art does not involve the adult in the environment at all unless you are asked to join them. But even then, you want to leave the control and creative process completely up to the child. If they ask you to do all the work, that means they probably haven't been given the time or the opportunity to flex their creative freedom through their creative freedom enough in their own little life to know what it feels like to enter that creative flow state. So they need to practice. And no matter how much they want your help, it's important to allow them the time and space to figure things out on their own. They may not be able to do a thing the way that they anticipated it happening, but they might learn something even more cool with trial and error than they would have if you had taken over and done the whole thing for them. So give them time to flex those creative muscles. Number two, process art doesn't always look like art. We adults have a picture in our mind of what we think an art project looks like, but creative freedom and process art doesn't always happen in the art area of the classroom. Okay, so the definition of art. I want to give you the definition of art. The definition of art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. So in my opinion, art can look like a really cool block tower. Or art can look like a song that is being made up or maybe a new outfit made from fabric scraps for a doll that's in the classroom. Art can look like drawing with washable markers on your arms or art can look like placing sticks into rows or patterns outside on the grass. Art can look like hammering puzzle pieces into a piece of wood or making a pattern with nails on a pumpkin doesn't always have to look like art. Number three, process art involves intrinsic motivation. And I'm going to give you a definition for intrinsic motivation as well. According to the APA Dictionary of Psychology, the definition of intrinsic motivation is an incentive to engage in a specific activity that derives from pleasure in the activity itself. 
rather than because of any external benefits that might be obtained. So they need to have a genuine interest in whatever they're working on. This means the child has to choose it. The child has to be in control of the art they are creating. Whether it's a song or a dance or a painting or a game, a make-believe world or a typical project that is created at the art tables with glue and stickers and markers and crayons, it must be driven by the child. And number four, process art does not include craft examples from a teacher. It can be so tempting to place one of your teacher-created crafts out on the table or to leave a teacher-created painting near the easel so they can get ideas about what to create, but that's totally going to limit the creative flex that we need to give children in our play-based environments. We can't control what will happen when they get to kindergarten, but we can control the environment we provide for them when they are in preschool. Knowing that creativity will be unlearned in the future, according to that study, We need to give them all the possible time we can to create freely in our play-based environments. So those are the four things. Um, Again, not an exhaustive list. But um, now I'm going to give you a few ideas of things that you can place in your early childhood environment to support creative freedom and process-based learning. Again, not an exhaustive list, and I'm going to point you in the direction of some great resources for more types of these things, Um, and you can see that list in the show notes. So really, what you need to provide is open-ended materials all over the classroom. These tend to be things that early childhood industry calls loose parts. All right, loose parts are things that don't have a particular use, And they can be used in many different ways, depending on the child's needs and their imagination. There are a gazillion loose parts ideas out there. So you can do like a simple Google search and you will come up with thousands of ideas. Again, I'm going to put some book recommendations into the show notes as well. So I'll give you a few examples of things that we have in our art area of the classroom. And this can maybe just get you a, a starting point if this is something that you haven't considered before. So in our art area of the classroom we have bottle caps and puzzle pieces just scraps of paper cardboard chunks toilet paper tubes wood pieces um, like scrap wood tree cookies or branch branch cookies like um, slices of tree that have been that are smaller enough to like draw on or whatever it may be tissue paper pom-poms beads of all sorts string yarn uh, these, all of those things, along with other traditional art materials we um, have in the classroom are like things like tape, markers, crayons, colored pencils, glue, paint. We give them, we allow them full creative control over those things to make what is intrinsically inspiring to them. And then in other areas of the room, because it doesn't just have to be the art area, remember, art can happen anywhere. Creative freedom and process-based learning can happen anywhere. And um, so it's good to have loose parts all over the classroom. So we have like wood blocks, like unit blocks, and big tree cookies, and leather scraps, and fabric pieces that um, children use to create different things with, wood napkin rings, um, 
we have like a very large amount of the same type of cup in our classroom and the children use them for everything. Battery operated tea light candles are a fave in the classroom. Clamps and clothespins of any sort to kind of hold things together. So that's just a really small sample of things. And again, I will put um, some great books into the show notes so that you can uh, look up more ideas. So there you have it. I want to give children a childhood that supports their creative thinking muscles instead of hindering them. We need to give them time and then space to create as they see fit and enjoy watching the process unfold because it is so fun to watch once you let this happen in your classroom. All right, so that's all for today. My Instagram handle has changed. So you can now find me at kristen.rb.peterson on the gram. And that's all for today. Have a good one. Always trust your cape. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.